are Trisden and Ray. Having lived and spent time on the coasts and in rural Appalachia, we feel like we have a unique perspective on most topics. Working to find the common sense middle in a country becoming more and more polarized. Welcome to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. What's up, Ray? Tristan. I didn't want to say anything funny and make you do a spit take live here on the on the podcast. Got to see Dasani, uh, a little Dasani water. I Man, I wouldn't mention them unless they're paid sponsor. Yeah, fair. You know me. Hybrid Springs, local. Oh, yeah. They, Hybrid uh, Springs is and good. They're cheap, man. I don't know how they do it. They bring those five-gallon drums to us at Galaxy. You know, we got the water cooler, and they'll bring like five of them, and it's 40 bucks. It's amazing. Yeah. The gas, you would think, would be more yeah, than that to deliver the water. And it's great water. Yeah. It's too good. The kids all fill their giant. Well, you got one. Every kid now yeah. has the giant. Well, what are they called? The women? Stanley's? Yes. The Stanley's. Women. Yeah. And it's a big, and the kids all fill theirs. You know, it's not really what it's intended for. It's intended for, you know, a cup of water when you're thirsty. But each one of the kids will bring their giant, I don't know if it's a Stanley, but they fill it when the shift ends, fill it when the shift's over. We're going through jugs of water in no time. Now, that is kind of a get-off-my-lawn statement, though, right, to kind of have a little bit of aggravation at the get kids here, for kid. yeah. filling up their water bottles? I use kids intentionally. <laughs> I, do, I do do that for a reason. But these people are all 20s, a couple of them in their 30s, so they're kids. Yeah. Um, we don't have a show like we always always do, so I, I just, uh, like, and credit, I, like credit, we never do. Credit to our 10 listeners that just never give up. Hang with us. I, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know what? And but, I've heard worse podcasts. I've heard planned podcasts. Oh, oh. I've heard a lot Matt. worse. But dare I? Dare I? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Hey, what's going on, man? Hello? Nothing. Um, no, there's absolutely worse podcasts. You, you can give an example, but I'll tell you, I was listening to one the other day that was... Um, Oh, gosh, I can picture the guy. He always shows up on Fox. Very serious, man. And now I'm not going to come up with his name. But it wasn't It wasn't a great podcast. Um, I guess when everybody's doing podcasts, there's a lot of shitty ones. It just makes sense that there would be because, you know, and I think we've known people that have tried them. And this sounds like anybody that would tune into this would say any human being on earth could do that. And there's some truth to that for an episode or two, Yeah. but to literally bullshit for an hour, week in and week out for years, it's not the easiest thing. I don't give away our secrets. <laughs> Somebody's going to copy it. A show about nothing. What's the deal? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Victor David Hansen, Victor Davis Hansen. He's very conservative, like ultra right winger. He's on, um, he's on Fox a lot of the time. And I, tried it you know and i made it through the show and there's like a woman interviewing but he's just like so dry and he kind of talks <laughs> and he really you know you're do you remember mash i'm I familiar with you're probably yeah familiar with it yeah didn't he's like colonel flag you know it's i am smiling you know he's just it was i don't know the, yes there's a lot of shitty podcasts and ours may be amongst them but <laughs> we are into our 120th show yeah somewhere around there well and, and some people just don't have voice charisma and i'm not saying we do but man you can listen to some people that are on air and are making certainly a lot more money than we are that man it's like listening to bread bake and we always joke about the two listeners it was so just to tell a little inside baseball we have about a hundred listeners that's a that's a fair number but as tristan says if you were a comedian playing uh you know once a week or three times a week to a hundred patrons you could earn a living yeah. I mean, what does comedy true. off Broadway hold? 200? Probably somewhere yeah, in there. Something yeah. like There's a lot of comedy clubs that 100 people are there. Yeah. So if you got 100 people listening, and hopefully out of that 100, you know, two or three will, you know, tell somebody else and you pick up a few more. So, you know, I know a few people that have continued to listen, like our my good buddy Mark. Uh, you say, uh, who was it? To Todd? Oh, my buddy Todd. Todd who listens to the show. Who will listen to this. And, and he yeah. critiques it. Yeah. Which is always appreciated. But since we have uh, no show formatted, well, I did. I we did ever. have a bit of a, you know, I did come. Don't up interrupt with the, me, Tristan. Oh, so excuse me, sir. <laughs> As I said we you should do. do the. We should. We we briefly mention our wives a lot. We should do a, a marriage show. So you do all the talking. That, I, that scares me. It, it scares I'll, the I'll shit. Say, I'll well, say something that'll get me in trouble. Well, see, I will too. But I love the idea of a. I know there's not enough money to make my wife listen to the show. So if I died of a heart attack 
like tomorrow in a year, my wife would think, Oh, I'll try to suffer through this and would do it. Probably. Oh, maybe there's some insight about my husband. I can gain from listening to this. She would probably get two episodes and still quit. Like oh, not two. even a year, even, even post my death, she still would not suffer through this. Well, that is fair. There is a legacy here for us. If we do go, there's the hours and hours and hours of us bullshitting. So oh, yeah. Raymond, oh. Raymond listens some, I don't, I think he's off. He listens to a bunch of podcasts. Some are good. Some aren't. Um, what is that? Is that fentanyl? That is, yeah, I did bring some fentanyl today. I thought it's nice little pills. That's there. a red hot fireball. Oh, I, I don't eat them all the no, way, but, but I it eat does them look like a pill, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah, it's a little pillish. So that's what's left after I'm done. Sucking my daughter is a pretty faithful listener. Uh, she, so she's congratulations awesome. to thank uh, you. Uh, yeah. yeah, congratulations. I guess you, you get your way <laughs> we, through this. I owe you dinner. But no, we can do marriage. But I was just I was going to make a joke and say since we never format anything, I could talk about the last thing I was listening to and driving here. Apparently, Mark Zuckerberg went before a Senate panel today. I guess they subpoena these guys, and there were I'm listening to the audio, so I couldn't tell if it was a Democratic or Republican senator. But this guy was grilling Zuckerberg. Apparently, he had parents there dressed in black of children whose lives were lost either via suicide from being bullied who bought drugs over Facebook who knew you could do this and the drugs were laced with fentanyl yeah. uh, sexual predating and these people are behind Zuckerberg and this guy is like uh, you, Mr. Do lot, you do a lot of sexual predating I, I don't actually <laughs> okay. uh, m- m- no. Mr. Zuckerberg uh, are, do you plan to apologize you know and, and he just keeps interrupting him you know he's putting on a pretty good show then he says Trisden Mr. Zuckerberg you're a billionaire are you going to start a fund to compensate these people and he's Zuckerberg's going well you know Senator that sounds like a no Mr. Zuckerberg so but you are actually um, and, and again I am so out of my realm here you are not that's why we are good partners on this you know social media well um, you're on it a lot you've you've monetized it some um, do you think these heads of the tech companies, Zuckerberg, most prominently, since we all know him, should be held more responsible for the shit that happens to these kids. I mean, somebody's got to be. So, I mean, I look at a lot of this stuff and I mean, when you start watching, you know, news shows that start throwing out these numbers, like the amount of suicidal 13 year old girls versus, you know, 1998, you just start to lose your mind. And the only real difference is social media these girls are now judging themselves against celebrities and you know people with more money and you know you're just a developing child so and again it's not just women i mean the 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 amount of online bullying that that boys suffer you know i remember this is ridiculous one of uh when when i first got on myspace uh, 15 18 years ago somebody my guess was a, a girl possibly that i had dated Maybe some guy that I'd rubbed the wrong way had created a bully page for me that was kind of just saying all this foul stuff. And it wasn't true as him, not a fake ID. It was a picture of me. Ironically enough, it was a picture of me taken in the bowling alley oh, no shit. circa 2001. Just it was new like bowling alley. basically the, you know, to paraphrase, it was Tristan Reynolds is a piece of shit and it would just occasionally what? post these things. That was, somebody really, really hated me. And again, I, I was like, you know, more intrigued by the mystery of who would take the time to do it. than you know, I'm scared or I'm depressed yeah. about it. So you said MySpace, so that was the infancy. exactly. So, so from that point forward, this has only grown uh, it, geometrically. Yeah, and I can only imagine what it's like to be a 13 year old kid, right? When you don't have the confidence of a 23 year old, like you know, right, fuck so somebody for doing that. If you had but. a magic wand, what would you do to police it? Well, that's the question. Like, and I think the problem is the government wants to pass that to say we'll use facebook as as the example and then facebook probably would want to pass that back to the government if you want it to be run differently tell us what we need to do and the government saying no fuck you you do that and what happens stalemate stalemate. nothing gets done you still see this you know huge trend of online suicide online bullying you've heard of uh swatting lots of people are died during swatting oh yeah where they actually make calls and they will call in like But what I don't understand about that is if I call and there's something going, can I get a fucking SWAT team? Isn't a, an officer going to come out before they come blasting through like Christmas vacation? Well, I think that's the deal with it, right? Is like they're telling you, you know, they've got hostages, they've got drugs, it's whatever. You know, they're, they obviously are convincing enough and know what to say. So this is a th- well. So, that's yes. another subject, Tris. That might be the over militarization of police forces across America, but that's another subject. But it also is very social media related. I it's mean, this crazy. is just you know you you get mad at somebody online. When I was a kid, swatting was your old man hit you on the ass, <laughs> right? You know, 
So how about, uh, cause this is one of the things that was mentioned. So this isn't my idea, but again, we're just talking about the latest thing I heard on the news cause that's our show. But what about the ability to make fake accounts? Is there a way to, cause uh, apparently a lot of it, especially sexual predating is, uh, somebody, you is know, is that a word predating? Uh, it's not predatoring. I'm not sure. Tom, my English teacher, brother, <laughs> Arbriel, Arbriel. Text us, please. Um, somebody predating. Maybe not. So the predatory nature. And I only call you out because you would have called me out a hundred percent, but somebody, I am an ass that way, but, but somebody can pose as a 14 year old kid, right? Yeah. With some fake account. So I, is there imagine. a way to rein that in? Well, Ray, I think or control it or patrol it. My thought is, of course there is. There's a way to, to, to do that with everything. I mean, not to interrupt you, but they do it in China, right? They just I lock it down. Just, yeah. Well, I, I would, the my assumption is it would cost money and cost companies money well, to do that. First Amendment stuff. I mean, I'm sure the Zuckerbergs and the others would fall under the First Amendment. Well, now you're shutting down our freedom of, inf you know, our, our First Amendment right to put this information out there and so on and so forth. And, but even if you're talking about like the lives of 14 year old, 13 year old kids, like they don't have the same freedom of speech rights as grown adults, do they? Or do That's they? a great question. I don't know. Does your freedom of speech just start at, at the age of, uh, uh, you know, the legal age of 18, I, I, I wouldn't think so, but you know, it's definitely a, a sticky wicket, right? Like there's a lot of layers to that, but you do have to, there's look, you, I'm not a parent, thank God, but you do have to look at protecting those kids online from drugs, from predators, from all the things you just named. And well, the bullying, as you the said, bullying, it, it's bullying just, it's the overrides all of it. I would think probably could be related to more deaths than anything probably else from, so, from that. Yeah. But, you know, you've got to police it and it is kind of still new. It is still the Wild West to a degree on it social is. media and on the Internet. I mean, we've just hit the tip of the iceberg as to what the Internet is going to be. Right. Because of the amazing thing, it's like our cell phones. You you don't have to go back that far. I'm much older than you, but but. But in your lifetime, even in, say, Ray, my son, who was born in 95, or Brielle in 91, certainly even their lifetime. So if you went back to 95, that's, what, almost going to be 30 years ago, or say the year 2000, 25 years ago, um, wasn't really a thing. So in 25 years, this has just blown up. And now I guess if you're a 14-year-old kid today, your entire life has basically been spent online, right? Oh, probably a 21-year-old kid, I would uh, think. Yeah, even. basically yeah. your entire so, life's been spent online, right. which is a little fucked up. Yeah. it's And again, there's there's not been enough safeguards. There's not been studies on how this affects kids' minds to the degree that it would probably be nice to know as a parent. I mean, look, you and I could probably both sit here and list people that you know parent by throwing a tablet in their kids' faces. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, it's so just babysitter, so right? Yeah. So here you go, kid. I need an hour to myself. Here's the tablet. Absolutely. You know, and without really a care of what they're looking at. Right. And you know, probably good parents are going to get on there and have some safeguards or, you know, parental controls, but I'm but sure you wonder too, if, if even good parents get bored, you know, you can't police it 365 days a year. It's like, ah, oh, shit. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an odd thing and it is different, isn't it, Tristan? It's a different way than how we were brought up. And, and you make the point often that it really has changed society and the degree to which nobody can say, even Zuckerberg can't tell you how it's changed it or for better or worse. And right. all indications are for worse. I would think worse, which is a shame, man, because yeah. it was sold as just the greatest thing since sliced bread. And there are obviously plenty of good aspects to social media and Facebook, but you ever hear George Carlin, people say greatest thing since sliced bread. What the fuck's a big deal? You get a knife, you slice the bread. Why <laughs> everybody say greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> it's great. Get a knife. Slice the fucking bread. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would think you probably should be an adult and there should be certainly some safeguards that probably come from the company and some safeguards that come from the government. I'm sure both could work together to make it a much cleaner, safer environment, especially for children, if not for fucking everybody. It really is a huge issue. I mean, it's it probably can't be underplayed how big a deal because of how ubiquitous, ubiquitous. Yeah. it is. Like what was it. our word last week? Oh, shoot. I've forgotten. Oh, you called Apocryphal. Apocryphal. You called the show I that. named the show Apocryphal. Apocryphally Indeed. ubiquitous. <laughs> the mastication of the banal interpretation. Oh, wow. All right. So there's that. And then so marriage. All right. I saw a line on marriage the other day. So did you see where Leno's wife is starting? To oh, my God. So sad. Mavis I did see that. Been married for 45 years, for yeah. 44 years. They married in 80. And apparently love of each other's lives, you know, never had kids, just were really into each other. <laughs> but Leno said, so well, 44 years, he said, uh, the secret to marriage is don't cheat on your wife. You can get away with hanging <laughs> your, you can get away with hanging your underwear off your car. But if you know, it's so it's pretty simple. Well, there you go. 
that's probably pretty yeah, good advice. Probably- and uh, to to finish the point of what you said for folks that didn't catch that in the news, his wife just diagnosed, I guess, with early onset dementia. Which is a motherfucker. Uh, just unbelievably sad. Now, that's the, as I understand it, which I am certainly a layman, but, you know, dementia as an older person, which the uh, Lenos aren't young. I'm sure Mavis is approaching 70, as as Jay is. Uh, he may be 75. Eh, maybe not that old. 70, I don't know. We could, could be in that ballpark. In, in that the ballpark. 70 ballpark, for sure. But, and, and maybe that's not young, young. So people who get dementia in their 50s typically die pretty quickly. It's, it's aggressive. Yeah. Uh, but dementia in your older age, you know, 75, 80, you can live 15 years. Drag on a bit. You're putting water in the toaster and you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. So really sad. And that's got to be one of the worst things, right? Kind of goes back to the joke you made the uh, a couple of weeks ago. You know, just kidding. She's uh, dead. Yeah. yeah but uh, yeah. no, that's a rough one. But but Leno is that guy. I'm sure he's going to be very caring. I mean, I always thought it's a shame they didn't have kids because he would have, it was struck me as the guy who was great with kids I, I always liked leno people shit on him maybe he wasn't the best comedian in the world i always thought he was funny but um well, in fact we saw him at rub oh, years and years ago patty and i did and it was um at like ten thousand people that hard to rub thing and and you know probably half an hour of an hour and a half show was him just riffing which i'm sure you know comedians have formatics and they do but but i still remember you know you're in kentucky so sir what do you do for a living and this is this is an actual example i'm not making i still remember guy said i'm a farmer you're a farmer okay you're in kentucky makes sense what do you what do you raise sir he said a cattle and and uh, tobacco he goes oh so you raise cows with lung cancer (laughs) quick you know and and he did a half an hour of that yeah this is a funny man right Leno's good. I, th- I think the problem with Jay is that he took so much bad press for the late night stuff the with Carson stuff. and well the Conan stuff too. But I think it oh, started with, with Letterman, Letterman and true. then continued through Conan. So that is true. Jay is as funny and as a decent a human being by all accounts as I've ever heard a, a celebrity does take with him a lot of baggage for sort of trying to get those shows and and you can't blame him for any of that. And one of the things was when he did his first show. Um, I think Johnny retired maybe at the end of the season and a month or two went by and Leno's first night, he didn't come out and thank Johnny. And I saw him interviewed and he had a, uh, she was portrayed by Kathy Bates. They did a Leno Letterman. I don't know if you ever saw it, but Kathy Bates played his yes, manager. I did see that. And you know, she's a great actress and she played the woman as a real hard charger. And Leno said she was, I was kind of a passive guy and she was good for me Yeah. because do you ever watch uh, Larry Sanders with uh, every episode? Okay. Big so, fan. Rip Torn's character, yeah, it's like that. Okay, you know, if you're kind of passive, it's good to have a fighter on your side, and That's that was true. her. And she told him, "Fuck that guy. He, yeah. he don't even go out there. It's your show. Don't even acknowledge it." And Leno said, "Looking back, that was the worst one of the worst decisions I ever made. Johnny was a legend. I should have come out, thanked him, and he took shit for that. Then he took shit for the battle before that. Yeah, like he kind of backdoored Letterman, perhaps. Yeah, I, well, I think, and again, people give him so much shit for this, but." Hey, it's Hollywood. It's really competitive. Like, if you're not going to be competitive, what are you doing there, right? Like, of course you want the biggest job in the world. Of course you want the money and the fame that comes with being the host of The Tonight Show. So I never really felt like, even though, again, I was a Letterman guy, that I felt like, well, I'm not really holding Jay. You know, Jay just did the best thing he could for his career at the time. There were rumors that he had hid in a closet during yes. a couple of the meetings yes, and there were. Like, was just really and again you drove his motorcycle into a meeting where letterman was oh i never yeah. even heard that yeah. one that's yeah. funny yeah so but yeah and, and again i think conan kind of felt like he sort of backdoored him a little bit to get the tonight show back and and to, in, did. to nbc's credit they did offer a solution like they were trying to find a way to, to keep both but that and i think you make a fair point you're talking about entertainment at the highest echelon right we're, we're entertainment at the lowest exactly this is like you said about fallon when that flaff came up that kerfuffle about him um or or, yeah fallon Uh, you know the show has your name on it you're employing lots of people there's gonna be some rough days this is a big big deal so to fight to keep that big deal yeah you kind of get it right like tomorrow if uh if seth myers walked into our studio here and said i want one of you guys to be my sidekick moving forward we we would fucking you know we would be like we would both because be I'm much more entertaining. I'm better on the mic. I'm funnier. I'm better looking. You should defer to me. Yet my competitive nature would just somehow not allow that. <laughs> be it true or not, 
So, yeah. That would be some good reality TV. Man, that would be fun. Oh. <laughs> if you're listening, Seth Myers, we're, we're open to that. That is funny. Oh, hey, oh, yeah, I think I could do hey, it. Oh, here's John. Well, that was the best job in, in, oh, in entertainment. Man's job. Yeah. <laughs> he got to sit next to every great celebrity. It, he, he did. Here's Johnny. And, you know, and ho, 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 ho. He always laughed at everything Johnny said. Oh, yeah. That was a pretty sweet gig. I think he was Johnny's drinking buddy, is what it was. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. They Which, got along pretty well off air. Apparently, Johnny Carson could be a miserable asshole yeah and i think you find that probably in a lot of comedians and they say that the late night shows are like the toughest shows in the world because it's every single every fucking night, night. it's night. like a 10 12 hour day you know five days a week yeah but that's the thing you don't even even ball players drizzney oh it's a two and a half hour baseball game bullshit if it's a seven o'clock game and you know this those guys are there three four in the afternoon at the latest they're doing their bp they're getting taped up afterwards they're doing interviews it's an eight or ten hour work day oh of course before you even make your commute yeah exactly no, and i'm not you, saying that we have to feel bad for no no players yes, they're doing okay but just being real about it yeah, yeah. About it. well it's not a three-hour day no you're not showing up doing a quick rehearsal and jumping on tv like you're writing all those jokes you're right. rehearsing meeting with the writers yeah. oh that that's a, it's a full day well uh gary shandling we mentioned some late night stuff shandling uh on the larry he sanders was, show right. it was great on the larry sanders show but was offered conan's time slot and just said, I don't want to work that much. So he was essentially oh, going to take Conan's, you know, initially the late night show and uh, not the tonight show. But yeah, just said, like, I would like to do it. I like the idea of it. I love Larry Sanders, but I don't want to work that much. Yeah, that parody was just fantastic. Oh, though. such. I a love when he's because you often think about this. He's got the woman and he's, you know, the camera's still on him and he's going to her. Now, just pretend that we're talking about something. I've got nothing to say to you. This is just all. <laughs> it's just yeah. great because you know that shit. Right. Now. Well, that was the thing. It really was a window into that world. Exactly. It was a and, window. Yeah. And if you're like you and I and our comedian friend that was on a few weeks ago that are big late night heads that, you know, having that window that's just a little bit Joe true. Deuce? No, not Joe. Oh, not uh, Joe. Um, the, oh yeah. Oh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm so bad uh, with McCaffrey. Names. Yeah. Kevin McCaffrey. Kevin McCaffrey. So, yeah. So when Kevin was on, I think you know, who was on Letterman, right. you know, as a, a writer and, and, him, things, yeah. and as an intern. So, yeah, I mean, I think for people like us to just have that window into the 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 behind the scenes is phenomenal. Yeah, well, he told that great story, Kevin, about how Letterman ripped up the top 10 20 minutes before the show was going <laughs> on air. And so the producer was running around frantically and he had written three or four things that Dave used, which was pretty cool. Oh, that's such a cool story. So what do you have to say about marriage? Well, let me say first, we talked about Jay and Mavis. I'm yeah. going to assume Mavis is right. <laughs> So this is how perhaps the only Mavis we know could be. Isn't there a car company? A rental company? Avis. Avis. Okay. So if you or your wife had to get dementia, who would you want it to be you or would you want it to be her? Who would be the better? It would be me. Patty is a wonderful caretaker. So, So what attracted me to my wife? And really, I give myself some credit at a young age. You know, I met Patty at 22. She was 25 or 24. A couple three years older than me. Our birthdays are almost a year apart. So it's kind of weird. Sometimes, you know, we're two years apart. Sometimes we're three, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, I saw how good she was with kids cause she, she was a school teacher then. Um, but she, uh, was what impressed me was she didn't treat them like, Oh, you she treated them kind of like little people. It wasn't, she wasn't always catering to them. It was like, yeah, you got to go up and do this for yourself. Now, as it turned out, after 35 years, there's a little bit of over-nurturing, um, I think, that's happened with Patty relative to kids. Now, can you pick on somebody, you know, and her mom was the same way? I, I mean, all things being equal, I always say I was raised by a mom who was fairly cold and offstandish. Perhaps Patty was raised by a mom who was a little too nurturing. Probably the best is somewhere in the middle. But if you had to err on the side of one, probably go with the over-nurturing. Yeah, because yeah. I know I'm all twisted and fucked up. <laughs> Aren't but we she, all? But she's also, <laughs> also a great caretaker. Yeah. Which she's doing for her 90-year-old mom right now. Since retirement, you know, Jane is, we've all gotten older, but Patty's been retired seven years now, six years. And, um, you know, initially Jane was fine, mid-80s. Now she's 90, and she's still cognitively very good shape. But, you know, a few ambulatory things, and, you know, Patty will take her to Costco. and (laughs) It's two and a half hours, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now, that's the patience of a saint. God dang. Taking your 90-year-old mother to Costco, and, you know, she gets in the cart and drives through the store. 
So, uh, no, it would certainly be me. Patty would be a much better caretaker of me than I would be of her. Nice. Yeah, for yeah. 100%. Well, and a little more window in, insight into my soul. Like, I'm uh, I'm deathly, I'm very neurotic, as you might or might not know. Very neurotic. And would well, that's definitely one of my- I'm going to describe you that way, but I believe- Maybe just in my own it. mind. Maybe not as outwardly, but one of my internal fears is uh, dementia. Like, I just scared me. Well, you're me not going to know. Absolute shit out of me. <laughs> well, I think that's the problem, is you know- for a while, right? Uh, well, I can't remember anything. And then you go, and then that fucking year, or however long, where you're just sort of dwindling has to be, it's like Lou Gehrig's disease for your mind and like just has to be a miserable time from diagnosis to death. Oh, yeah. It's like you say initially, but I think once you're really in the throes of it. Yeah, you do hit a point where you're good, but you're just, but it is tough. You're on just looking forward to that day. When sure. Just, and it, <laughs> but it is. I can't very, wait. Very difficult on the people. Uh, yeah who are caring for you yeah I mean, that's there's no miserable. doubt about it. and luckily i guess in mavis's case there's a lot of i'm sure money to take sure. care of every of need course. she will have through the course of that of course that is. diagnosis which so. does make it easier of course I mean, it, does. it does money makes unfortunately most of life easier yeah it does i mean it's a survival tool right and you know it's it's like i've said there's no nobility in poverty if you're having to decide every month between paying the electric bill and <laughs> and the you know the car payment or or the fucking mortgage it's miserable it's a tough existence you know yeah. i've said patty and i are a long way from wealthy but we're fortunate enough to be some distance from paycheck to paycheck cuz that's a tough go now does that make me an elitist i would say Maybe our listeners would say yes, or the certainly the Fox News crowd would say yes. Well, how about now Fox News? How about the Taylor Swift-Kelsey thing? Now it's a fucking- um, Oh, my God. Well, everything's political, but now uh, it's a uh, what's a, a conspiratorial that the Chiefs- A, a, a psyop, psyop? Psyop. That the Chiefs have made it to the Super Bowl so she can stay relevant. Jesus Christ. And she's going to come out on the 50-yard line with two minutes and promote Joe Biden. And, yeah. you know, I think- God damn, this world now. Taylor Swift, I believe, does happen to be a Democrat, certainly anti-Trump. And I don't think she's made a big hubbub about it. Like, she's not speaking she out every Biden chance. 20. But yeah, so she's had a couple instances where she's sort of said a couple things on her social media. But not that she's a, you know, she's certainly not basing her career on her politics and her right. life. Like, so many of these idiots now, everything is... You and know, I, it's fake. If you don't agree with it, it's fake. Yeah, you know, I couldn't name a Taylor Swift song. I'm the furthest thing there is from a Swifty. I, I, I guess that's shake, shake it up. Is that it? Or, or shake it off? Shake it off. All right. Yeah. So, okay. So I know a couple. I don't. I don't want to sound like you know a babe in the woods here. Obviously, I'm familiar with Taylor Swift's music. It always seems to be to me singing about a breakup. But her appeal is largely their demographic is probably 75, 25, 80, 20 yeah. women. Right. Typically younger women. Right. Um, but she, by all accounts, seems like a nice person. Yeah. There's some great mega, mega superstar, but she'll do things like give money to the truckers last year and she tips people big. And, you know, yeah. And she, even besides the money, if you're in her company, she seems to be very affable. They say, and I don't know, maybe this is apocryphal, <laughs> but they show her up in these booths, which I thought that this past Sunday, <laughs> either the NFL or her people said, look, stop doing that because she was on a lot less this week. Yeah. They showed her a couple of times where the first game, there was every other fucking shot. But uh, like she'll actually clean up like she will. Yeah. Like, you know, they're having oh, a party. Oh, pick and up stuff. Yeah, and yeah, which that's pretty down to earth. That is very down to earth. And again, she seems like a very nice person. Right. Well, here's one of the things that I know about myself is weird, but I've watched enough, again, taking it to late night TV. I've seen enough folks on late night TV where I kind of, in my mind, feel like you get a vibe of whether or not, oh, that person's a total asshole or not. And maybe there's some truth to that. You know, maybe sometimes you're right. There's some persona they can put out, but I right. think you can get a feel. Yeah. yeah. And I've never got, you know, I mean, she's done shows in Lexington and, and Richmond when she was starting up and every person that she I've known Richmond? like at the art center she like a Walmart she did a, a concert in the Walmart parking lot in Here? like 1998 or something when she was like 15 <laughs> there was some video online of it but like everybody that happened to still be in the orbit of media that I've ever said, just a nice kid. And yeah. everybody that you see now, nobody says, yeah, she's kind of a dick you or really she's done this. That. And and look, everybody has bad days. So the fact that nobody is saying, you know, yeah, well, she's kind of a dick to her security team or she's not good nobody, with fans. You do not you, hear that about don't. her. In fact, you hear the opposite. Oh, every chance you get. And you know what? I've always said that about Kelsey. I think he's a guy's guy. They've got a wonderful podcast. Those two entertaining they do. guys. They do. Jason's Him and his got brother. a future. Absolutely. Right. Jason will be doing 
uh, uh, color commentary or something f- for somebody, and they're just affable guys, guys. I don't think there's a whole lot of ego. I mean, this motherfucker's going to another Super Bowl, and he's dating the biggest pop star in the world who happens to be a very attractive woman. Life's pretty good. Right. But I think he somehow maintains a sort of a realty or a, a realness about him. It does feel like that is sort of who he is and who he tries to be. And my TikTok has shown me a lot of his inter- interviews and uh clips from his podcast lately so yeah. i've got to see some of that and he does just seem like again probably under normal circumstances probably would just sit down and be a dude yeah you know beer with you and have some laughs right yeah, yeah. It's, you know and again like taylor swift it's probably impossible to make a friend at a coffee shop these days but yeah. if you could like she would probably just be, be pretty a good cool friends. can you this is putting you on the spot but i know exactly what you're saying about late night but can you come up with an example of someone who you've seen who even if they were trying to play it off you thought to yourself ah kind of an asshole oh man i could probably name several okay, but like the, the, the first one that came to mind I, I don't i don't think bill maher would be a nice guy in real life and i agree with dick, a lot he? of his politics but he doesn't it kind does of not, an arrogant prick yeah and he's demeaning and he'd say shit to you that'd cut you down right yeah yeah he reminds me a whole lot of a guy i graduated high school with may he rest in peace just passed away last year if mark and tommy john aiken john was a real intelligent guy he was um his company wasn't awful to be in but fuck he could do things and just make you feel like a piece of shit and i always thought about mar uh, that way yeah he, he's kind of enjoys the cutting and the ribbing well and again being rich doesn't make you mean or nice so you oh could, no bill maher was that way when he was 16 yeah yeah he's just probably been that no, snarky he's, sarcastic he's snarky yeah absolutely now dennis miller tells and this is the good side another of guy would like say that. also a dickhead so miller talks about being young comedians and walking into the office of don olmeyer who was the big producer on nbc and olmeyer and these are kids it's it's miller maybe leno Marr. i mean they're young kids early 20s and they walk in and there's fucking <clears throat> just awards, trophies and everywhere over Olmeyer's office. And Margo's, hey, Donnie, who's the bowler? <laughs> so he didn't give a shit. That's pretty good. Well, in credit, I mean, he is funny. He's talented to be at the level he is. I mean, you sure. can't take that from him. And I love his show. But now if you did his podcast and went to his house and got high with him, which you don't get high, I, I would I would in that. Yeah. I, I don't often because of the anxiety it gives me. That's my anxiety. But to, to smoke a joint with Mark, I, I mean, again, he and I are basically the same age from the same part of the country, both proud New Jerseyans. I knew you knew that about him. I don't know if you knew that. Really? About me. You were from New Jersey. Yeah, I, I didn't know Mark uh, was. Yeah. And you probably don't know Springsteen's from Jersey. Really? The boss. Yeah. But uh, I, I think to go to his house and get high with him, maybe he'd be a little bit different. Let his guard down some. I think so. And I think it probably depends on the situation. Like if he wants you to be in his company, he's probably a nice guy. Because if you're a fan walking us, up to him, um, I'd say it's oh, 50, I'd say, 50. Yeah, I'd, I'd, th- I think you're right about that for yeah. sure. Right. Hey, Mark, can I get a picture? No. Get the fuck out of yeah. here. Oh, I'd say that's 100% true. Yeah, but the three of us are very similar. I mean, you sure. you and I could have a great conversation we with We could Mark sit down with him over Because we're so yeah. similar on our views. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. Who's somebody with else you looked at and said, ah, oh, looks man. like kind of a, do you mention Dennis Well, Mill? Dennis but Miller. Dennis, he's just so snarky. He is. Yeah. But what I've, you know, again, you hear some stories about these people that they just tend to be a bit of a dick but yeah. j-lo i bet would not be very friendly uh, uh, now, speaking of marriage that would be my what's it called the hall pass or whatever or <laughs> yeah. the, the one person that you you're you would leave your wife for i mean how does that woman do it she's now 53 or five she's not on i mean i know money oh yeah. fuck she's a beautiful woman at 55 you ever hear that joke about <laughs> yes i hope i can tell this without fucking it <laughs> The couple has, um, oh, th- so he started, I think it was a comedian. He said, hey, yeah, my wife's all pissed at me speaking of marriage. Oh, yeah, why is she pissed? Well, we had this agreement that, um, I'm just going to use two names, you know. We had our uh, one person who they would give us a pass on, and uh, mine was Jennifer Anderson, and hers was George Clooney. And then uh, some years went. Jennifer Aniston. Aniston, what did I say? Anderson. Oh, Je- or, yeah, okay, Jennifer For friends, Aniston. friends, Aniston. Yeah. yeah. And hers was George Clooney, and then some years went by, so we decided to update. Hers was Brad Pitt, and mine was our kid's babysitter. <laughs> And my wife's pissed. <laughs> nice. That's pretty good. <laughs> so I've got, I want to make one more Taylor Swift point, um, but let's save it for after the break. Yeah, so I will break. tease you with my, I mean, it's going to be a good point. All right. With that, I'm going to also cough because I've got a cold. We'll, we'll place some sponsors here and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Tony with We Do Epoxy and I'm looking for ugly floors. I mean, so ugly dirt won't stick to it. We can take your ugly garage, basement, 
porch or patio and turn it into a work of art in just a couple of days. Is your garage floor so ugly you keep the door closed to prevent anyone from seeing it? We do Epoxy Can Fix That. Stop living with ugly concrete. Call me today at 859-582-7920. That's Tony at 859-582-7920. Oh, that was so fun. Mr. Tony. I love listening to Tony. <laughs> yeah, we, we hope that was him on the commercial. He I bet by. it was. He stopped by on <laughs> Monday, I think. Tony, uh, which it's funny, Mondays are... Seriously, I just joke about how little I work, but Monday's a busy day because there's two liquor orders that have to go in, two beer orders, payroll. Every other week I'm doing schedules, and so I get there Mondays, and I just want to go, and, you know, Tony was there, and, you know, you have a conversation. All of a sudden, 20 minutes went by. He's like, fuck, Tony, I got I to gotta get to this stuff, but uh, he was checking on some product that we bought nice. from his other gig. Yeah. The thing I like about Tony is he does one of the things that is my most favorite thing that people in this world does and he writes Dude. me checks. So uh, I really like the fact that Tony, I never see a dime does. Tony, just so you know, that's true, but I'm going to call you tonight. Make sure. Did you actually write a check to him? But, but I'll make two points. The first point is when he tried to give you the check, you said, nah, give I'm good. Tris. Give it to Tris. <laughs> and the second point is I'll take it all. I don't care. You, you, you I, just I, got a separate I, account, like a little slush fund. It's in the nah, fucking island somewhere. I shouldn't fucking just buy watches with it because, you know, look, this is, the, and I'll say, we'll say that I've waited because I wanted to tell this story on air. The precedent of all the money on the podcast, and at the moment, I get all the money, and I don't give Ray any. The genesis of that was the very first uh, uh, sponsor we got, Ray sold, and that was, uh, I won't mention the name, was a while back. Oh, yes. And the folks gave Ray the check. It was a $200 check, and I thought, well, that's nice. Ray will give me 100 bucks. He'll keep 100 and we'll just use it for whatever. And Ray said- well, I'll just keep that money. I'll just put that in the account. And I thought, huh, I thought maybe we would split that. So then every additional check we've got in, and there's been probably seven or eight, I've just said to myself, well, Ray really set the precedent. Now, I, I do offer you money every time I get the checks, and you always say no. Uh, we need a third-party arbiter here because I have no recollection of that. We'll have to talk off air. That's 100% true. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but I do. I don't want to leave folks hanging on this Taylor Says Swift the half-Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> it's my dementia kicking in right <laughs> man i gotta get rid of this cold but the point i wanted to make about taylor swift and this is on the heels of one of my currently best friends in the world my neighbor i won't say his name on air i don't know if you'd like that he's uh he's i don't use the word shy but he's not like super outgoing but uh we're gonna watch the super bowl uh my wife and i with him and his wife and uh I was like, hey, man, I, I'm going to apologize in advance because I'm a Niner fan and I'm going to like I kind of get really, really yeah. into it. Like I get like playoffs. I'm pretty intense. Right. And he was like, oh, you know, no worries, because, you know, I'm going to be rooting so hard for the 49ers because I'm so sick of Taylor Swift being shown on the games. I don't get that. I don't understand, because my thing is like <laughs> and I hope this doesn't sound like weightist or fattest, but. She doesn't look like Lizzo, right? Like, why is a 45-year-old man, are you like, ah, get her off the TV, right? And like, to me, I'm just Pretty like- attractive woman. Well, I, she's not Lizzo, right? So what's the problem? Are you just, I mean, I get people, like, Taylor's overexposed. It's not or fattest. It might be sexist. Well, <laughs> or or what they're, shit. Misogynistic. Misogynistic, there you go. That probably is, is closer <laughs> to the truth, but- Again, I I don't know. I don't I don't mind like you know if Rob Schneider was being overexposed. God, quit fucking showing Rob Schneider in the booth. We're talking about Taylor Swift. Like it's not like you're like grossed out by her. But it is interesting, Trism, for all the fucking conspiratorial people. Again, you either subscribe to conspiracy or chaos in this world. I subscribe to chaos. Which chaos? If you looked it up, you know. Again, we should do it because we we have that ability. But chaos, you know, you think uh, oh uh, chaos is everything is broken and get no chaos is things happen and then we react to it that's the way i describe chaos. i would agree with that so either you're conspiratorial everything is you know somebody's pulling strings or fucking chaos you, they happen to date each i don't know how they met kelsey and her right Not and sure. he happens yeah. to play for the one or two best teams in the nfl maybe the best team right I, I hope they don't beat the niners my reason is different i told you this when i signed on to FanDuel yes. back in September. I took fifty dollars in bonus bucks, threw it on the Niners, and it was like plus four fifty or whatever. So I get win two hundred seventy five bucks for no outlay of money, 
if the Niners can win a week from Sunday. Love that's it. why I'm rooting for the Niners. Love it. And truthfully, the Chiefs have had enough. Let somebody else get it. Yeah. But um, so Kelsey and her, it just evolved. There wasn't anybody pulling strings and making it happen. Now, is the NFL guilty in showing the world's biggest pop star too much? Maybe. I think maybe that's his point. I kind of get it. It's like, oh, fuck Taylor Swift again. But I also understand what you're saying. But I did notice that last week with Kelsey there, because at one point I said to Ray, maybe a quarter and a half into the game, is Taylor Swift not there because they haven't shown her yet? Then they, he scored a touchdown or something. They showed her. I was like, right. oh, she is there. Yeah. So they've made a conscious decision or, or her people said stop showing or whatever. Yeah. But she was not showing as much. Now, the Super Bowl, obviously she's going to be there, even if she has to fly a jet back from wherever her concert is. She's going to be at the Super Bowl. And she's a so long way away. So. Yeah, we'll see. And that's kind of a fascinating thing, because I think what you're going to run into is a lot of your apparently hardcore football fans don't like looking at Taylor Swift and probably every to be a little more sexist, every wife and daughter that happens to be watching with the family loves it and wants to see. You know. So, All right. So if you want to be conspiratorial, I don't know if it is or just the business model, that's your answer, because that's a demographic that doesn't watch the NFL. Right. So if you're Roger Goodell paid 50 million a year, your biggest um, part of that job is increasing the viewers. Well, there's your there's and, your thing. Then. And you think Roger Goodell doesn't like Taylor Swift being at those games? Loves it. Absolutely loves it because yeah, to your point, I mean, you're going to have a whole new line of Absolutely. Bills Taylor merch next that's year. It. I would imagine. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, like, sure. There's a lot of business. A lot of people can make a lot of money from her being involved in the right. NFL. So from that standpoint, then if you want to pick on the NFL, yeah, that's a business. That's that's the business. And that's not and a conspiracy. That's an no. opportunity that they will that's take advantage of. Not now. Here's something for you. Did you notice? And I had to go to Jaeger, my buddy Matt, who works with me at Galaxy, who's always the smartest guy in the room, and and he had the answer I thought was right because I was confused. Did you watch? Did you see the ads where Saquon Barkley, Justin Jefferson are in their pads and they're running through the streets of Ghana? No. Okay. Miss- and then and then it's I only saw it twice, and then it says, "Stay tuned after halftime." I think the NFL is going to play a game in Africa. I oh, think that's going to be. I, nice. That's what Jaeger said because that would make sense. Because I said to yeah. Matt, "What did you make of those fucking ads where they're running through?" He goes, "I think they're going to announce that they're playing a game in Africa." I was like, yeah, "Oh fuck! Cool. I bet you that's what it is." Nice. Which does make. I mean, they've played in Germany and England and Mexico. I mean, what the fuck? Why yeah. not? They're tr- obviously expand trying to make it global. Hence the you know the right. Taylor thing. Yeah, exactly. Just trying to make it as big and so broad I, as possible. At the end of the halftime, there's an announcement uh, about you know. Africa. So. Well, nice. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, Super Bowl is always fun, and it is still the largest viewed, uh, you know, the, the the largest viewed show of the year by far. There's not even a close second, and an advertiser's dream. Tristan, you sell advertising for a living. It's the only entity Man. where people like look forward to the commercials. That's it. Yeah, and there's nothing else that can you know locally or in any way compares. The whole that invention of the else. remote was to get away, you know. Fuck, right. yeah, they yeah. actually stay tuned for the. And yeah. now, if you've noticed, now they're pre-selling or or trailing the commercials. The whole Arnold thing was State Farm. It's like so this big State Farm ad is going to run during the Super Bowl. Now they're right. teasing the they're commercials. Teasing the fucking commercials. Oh unbelievable yeah, crazy right? what well, like to be a salesman on those that that would be the level of salesman that i would like to attain sell two of those man and you're good for three years it used to be six hundred thousand for 30 seconds i'm sure it's far surpassed i think that. last i heard it was six million there you go and yeah. the fucking tick so we were looking today because matt had shown me uh, hey you want to go to the fucking super bowl game eighty three hundred bucks so i wanted to get to and it was a hard Google search. How the actual price? So if you weren't going secondary market, you know, a hub, a stub hub, or or any Ticketmaster, if you could just actually buy a ticket at face value, it's like thirty three hundred dollars. Oh, more than that. I'm I'm talking about without any secondary market. If you could actually get oh, okay. to right, right, right. By the time it hits the secondary market, it's eight grand, ten grand, twelve grand. Yeah. And the stadium will be absolutely packed. A hundred percent full. Yeah. I I saw in the news yesterday that I want to say it was the lowest price, but just to be not to mess it up, the average ticket was twelve thousand dollars. Something like that or eight anyway. It was twelve. I mean, according to the news, and that may have been the lowest, but to your point, that seems high for the lowest. So I'm gonna say it was the average. Average. So there's some people paying six and some people paying twenty, thirty. And uh this is uh, according to last year's data, the Super Bowl commercials averaged seven million bucks a pop 
last year. So went up from six, which was the last time so I heard. So if your commission is 10%, you'd take 10% instead of 20. I'd be that. fine with that. You'd take yeah. five. I'd probably roll with that. Driz, can you take bit. 5% on this? Yeah, it'll be, that'll be fine. Yeah. I'll, All I'll right, so back to work. marriage. You wanted to do marriage. What do you? Well, so, yeah. so you would want... So how about your caretaking in that I, situation? I, I think it would be me. I think, even though I'm scared of it. Your wife care for you? No, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I honestly, well, here's the thing, like, and I will credit my wife. I have not done We're one. We're kidding, Miss Reynolds. He's dead. Oh, uh-huh. thank God. <laughs> yeah. She would be like, here's your pillow for dessert. Uh, uh, Let me just. Yeah. Yeah, just so what do you think of the new uh, fabric softener that we're using? Get a good sniff and dementia riddled Trisden. Ah, uh, slowly dying. What do you think of how it smells? <laughs> good, right? Let me put some extra weight. You're probably not getting enough. That's a weird twitch you have. Well, she better not listen. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, she'll be like, ah, new plan now, scratching it off her list. But no, I, to my wife's credit, I love her to death, and I haven't done one load of laundry in 17 years. Nice. Not one load. Now, I think part of that is, if I ever smell like a woman, she's got first access to my clothes. <laughs> if I come back from a night of drinking, she's going to be checking that out. So there may be a, a double reason for that. An ulterior motive. But I do all the cooking, so that's kind of a caretaker mode. Uh, yeah. I mean, she helps. I cook. She helps. Um, so how would you rate yourself as a cook? Um, B slightly above average C plus. What's your favorite B minus man. We mostly now just chicken. do nah, chicken's fine. We mostly do. I love my fried chicken, but she doesn't like it, mm. but we do a lot of the hello fresh meals. Do you? And they're really, really good. It gets expensive though. Doesn't it? Not too bad. Not when you, no? I mean, it's like 50 bucks a week for two people. And it's like, well, with three meals each. Yeah. But there's work to hello fresh. These aren't microwave right. meals. That's you got to put yeah, them you're, together yeah, you're, and you learn a little bit. Brill did it. You learn a, a lot about it. Yeah. yeah you learn about spicing and chefing. Yeah. Definitely. Well, that's cool. And, the, is, and the food turns out pretty good. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, like to me, if you went to Malone's in Lexington as an arbitrary kind of fancy restaurant and make something like that, you're going to, you're not going to be able to be like, oh, this is way better. Or vice. Like you you would think a good steak or a good cut of chicken uh, from there, the way you prepare it is as good as something at Malone's. Somebody told sure. me Drake's is coming to Richmond. Did you I hear heard that? that. Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't. Over uh, by us, over near it? Texas Roadhouse. That'll be nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Drake's yeah. would kill it here. I think so too. I mean, this that, you think about Richmond. Yeah, fast food. We've got it cornered, and obviously we've got a substantial <laughs> university, uh, East EKU, seventeen thousand undergraduate population. And when my dad was funny, he's called Hamburger Alley, nice. which it really is. But yeah, th- as far as sitting and having a good meal after Outback, there's Jeff Gillum's place. Maybe there's not, and even that's more of a burger and pizza place, it which is, is fine. Kind of not, pre, fro, you know, yeah, it's pre-portion really, meal. Yeah, not a good place to sit. Drake's have would a nice kill it. Meal. I think 100 yeah. percent. They would instantly be the go to. Yeah, because now it's got to be yeah an Outback or you know what? Say even, Outback. Yeah, That's about it. Pretty much. You've it. got some better restaurants down here. Yeah, a couple pretty good Pap- restaurants. Uh, Papalinos is a great Papalinos, restaurant. Boone Tavern's uh, Boone nice. Tavern is very nice. Yeah, and uh, yeah, shout out to uh, Nightjar, which is a great yes, place. And I still drink, haven't though. been. Yeah, yeah, we got to go. As people tell me it's as good a burger as you'll ever have. Real good. Yeah, yeah, no complaints at all. But so due to the fact that that and like I'm definitely the hunter gatherer of my marriage. Like my wife has never ordered a pizza in her life. She's never like if I'm deathly ill with the flu. And she still got to get on the phone. I, well, not on the phone, but I would have to go out and get whatever we need to eat. And, wow. you know, so like my wife is not a, let me run those errands, honey. I know you're busy. You're like, you know, I'm mowing the yard on a summer evening. It's she's not going to go and get, get food ready. That's going to help be you me. with the yard. No, no, she's not done one ounce of yard work since we've been married. She doesn't like yard stuff. Yeah. Now that's one thing I'll give Patty, man. She is right there. That was another thing I think that attracted me to her. She's never afraid to get her hands dirty. Nice. She's probably a better mechanic than I am, which is not saying much. <laughs> it's like saying I'm the smartest of the Palin kids. <laughs> but, Pretty good. Uh, you know, but she, she, you know, her dad was very handy and, and Patty is not afraid to dig into stuff. Yeah. So you know? I would say long, long answer to a very short question. I wouldn't want her to have dementia, but I would say I would probably probably be a better caretaker to her just because I'm kind of used to doing you all the stuff. You wouldn't tell her, hey, check out this new fabric softener. <laughs> no, there would be no fabric softener in my wife's future. Now, maybe the nursing home if it got to be too much, but I, you know, I wouldn't put her out of her misery. 
<laughs> yeah, and those are on a serious note. Those are such brutal decisions to make. Oh, because you know, people want to care. I die before I have to make that decision. We had family friends, the Blanchfields, and they, these were people who my dad literally knew from third grade on. Okay, and uh, they lived in Totowa, which is a section of Patterson where Dad was from. And we used to go down. I remember visiting the family. They had a Ray, and they had a Tommy. Uh, the, we were almost the same age. I remember going down to the Blanchfields. Very good people. Well, Mrs. Blanchfield, um, I think she was March. I think, and uh, Ray and Ray, Ray Blanchfield, um, Ray White, Ray Blanchfield. But he, he, she, she got dementia at a fairly young age, and Mister Blanchfield probably spent twelve years just caring for her every need. You know, just a fucking saint. She finally passed away. Like two years later, he got dementia. Oh no! Yeah, it was just such a tragedy. Oh. One of those stories where it's like, fuck, life can really blow. Oh, like that's... he paid his dues, man. His karmic debt was square. Should have had he fifteen good years to kind of get out and have exactly a good time right. and live a little bit. Nope. Yeah. Oh god, that's miserable. Terrible. Yeah, yep. sad stuff. So, obviously, you've been married longer than I have. You've probably got some good advice, years, brother. What would you go and back? Three and... good ones. <laughs> Ta-dum. What would you go back and tell either your younger self or your son? This is the best advice I can give you getting into a marriage, being in the beginning of a marriage. What would you say? Uh, somebody that shares your interest, I think, is the biggest thing. Like Patty and I have have, have gotten closer on that, but you know, Patty is a uh, she's a very kind of uh, not not I don't know if linear is the word, and I don't want to say blinders on, but she's a, a straightforward person. Where I'm very. Not, she's a black and white person. I'm gray. Yeah. And that doesn't always mesh. And ironically, you're white. <laughs> yeah. And white. White and white. Yeah. So, so you know, so, so sometimes that hasn't always been the, the best thing. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and I would, I would, that may just be a gender thing. I would say a little bit of the same for us. Well, I see, I've never personally subscribed to the whole, you know, best friend thing. Like I, yeah. not to pick on Lucas, but. You know, nice he, if you find that. I'll hear him say that. Thing. Well, I don't think that exists. Like you've got your friends and you've got your wife. I don't it think is tough and your to, wife has her friends and she has her husband. Yeah, I don't think it's your nice, wife or you. husband is your best friend. Right. And you can't, I mean, I don't I don't want to be the, the guy I'm around my best friend when I'm around my wife, right? Like I like being yeah. the better version of myself for her and then also being a little that's bit of a piece of, of my it. shit, right, shit exactly. self in you're front just, of my yes, yeah. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, you're you're having beers with your buddies. That's not the same conversation you're going to have with your wife. I mean, and you, and you should have an outlet f to be a guy, that's and it. then also you should clean it up for most of the time, right? So I think that's right. Yeah, and I, I think for me, I would just go back if I could tell myself or um, you know, somebody getting married. No, I'm just. And you mentioned you were from New Jersey. You probably didn't know that I, I was raised yes. really poor. And uh, I think a, a lot of times when you grow up in a poor household, there's a lot of bad. There's reasons you're poor, right? Like there's some bad tendencies and people are shitty and there's some white trash there aspects. Be. I mean, there can be circumstances yeah. out of your control. So, but yeah, there's, I mean, you don't want to paint with too broad a brush. Right. But, and, and certainly in my situation, like there was not a lot of um, good arguing that went on between my mom and stepdad and the, the men she dated. So I picked up a lot of bad habits. And, you know, that's why I'd say everybody needs counseling. You should probably learn oh, how yeah. to be better. But I life would definitely coach. like as, to go back. As Lucas called it a yeah, life coach. To go back and teach myself or tell myself or somebody else like, how to argue and how to not just be a fucking white trash hillbilly, you know, but it, it takes a while to learn. I guess when you were raised the way that I was, it took me a while to kind of become a mature adult, which I guess it does for everybody. But yeah, it would be nice to have had somebody in my life that could have kind of said, listen, you're going to need to know you don't have to win every argument. Every time somebody says something you don't like, it's not disrespect, you know, just to, to work on my anger and temper at that time. Like, you know, I was never a violent person, but certainly what my words were. Yeah, but that's that fucking, I hate the term, but, you know, adulting. It's just, it's just, it's just a little bit of maturity. And I often say this to the kids. Everybody, you know, growing old sucks, growing old sucks, which, of course, you know, everybody wants to be 25. I get it. I get it. I do. But there's some really cool things about growing older, and that's sort of one of them, Tristan. You do get a little bit of separation from the time that you were an asshole. Now, I subscribe to people are who they are. Just like I said, Bill Maher was a was an arrogant ball buster at 16. He's an arrogant ball buster at 66. But you do, you know, the, the, even if you don't change as a person, you get some insight, wisdom. That's really what it's called, wisdom. Right. And what you're talking about is a bit of wisdom that you didn't have at 22. You get to look at 44, and even more so when you hit 64, you'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> I get it. Now you try to impart some of that 
onto younger people. Very difficult to do because you, you got it all figured out. You at literally 24. can't. Right. You got it all yeah. figured out at 24. Well, I'll say this. And, I, and that's the other great thing about growing older and that paradox of looking back when you were 24. I mean, I was that person. I mean, anybody who knows me well, my brother Mark will tell you, I argued to the teeth. I was always right. You know, nobody could tell me anything. You, you, you're wrong because you don't think my way. I mean, I guess I, I guess Aaron would say, Ray, you haven't changed at all on that. <laughs> but, you know, you do fun. get to look back and say, and say, wow, I was an asshole. Yeah. That's kind of the beauty of getting older. Yeah. Th- there is a lot of a lot of nice. I mean, you're just more chill at 45, 55, I would imagine, than you were at 25. Like, life's just, it's easier, right? Like, for me, life gets easier every year. So, Well, I've told this 10 times, and I'm sure I've told you. Of course, you have to assume health. But I saw an interview with a woman well into her 80s. Um, who asked to tell the two best decades of her life. She cited her 20s and her 60s. 20s for obvious reasons. You're in your 20s. Yeah. 60s because of what you just said. Hopefully you've reached a point in your life, and again, overriding overriding everything is health. So assuming good health, um, or at least reasonable health. uh, By the time you hit 60, hopefully a lot of those things, your 30s, 40s, 50s are tough. You're going to work every day. You're trying to pay bills. Perhaps you're raising a family. You're married, trying to make that work, which even in the best marriage, it's work. Um, But hopefully at 60, you've, you've come to terms with all of that. You've got a little bit of financial stability. Now you can kind of breathe again. Yeah. And I thought, man, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's pretty nice. I got to figure out how to fucking retire because I'm 64 <laughs> on my next birthday and still working. Nice. Well, we're going to bring you into Wallingford at some point. But sure. I will say, Trizen, part of that is also uh, finding a job that at least you like. Like I've never, I've ha- I've never made a lot of money, but I've also had the good fortune of never getting up and saying, "Fuck, I got to go to work." That includes when I was in radio. Well, there actually is an exception. When I had my lawn business, I stayed with it too long, by about five years, and there were years there where it was like, "I hate this. I got to get out." But the last 20 years with Kelly and then working, uh, running this bowling center, I've never woken up and said, fuck, I got to go to work today. Yeah. That's a big benefit. That's nice. That's, that is nice. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons I'm hanging in there. Cause it's, it's not, it, you it don't dread it pretty well. Not at all. Yeah. No. So not even Mondays. I like, like it. Yeah. Mondays. Yeah. Well, and I will say the same for me. And, and I spent a lot of time at Wallingford where we had to go have these stupid Monday meetings and boss of Wallingford makes it to me. <laughs> well, we love you, Kelly. <laughs> well, it was years of like this two hour meeting that could have been a, a five minute email. And it was so, it was the exact opposite of what you would probably want a Monday morning staff meeting to be. And I just dreaded that. And it made my Sundays suck because I was like, oh, that fucking meeting. And when COVID hit, we stopped doing the meeting. I started working from home. Uh, not, oh, nice. not completely. But more off, like, you know, I still have clients to see, you know, three or four days a week, but like I, my home base is not the office and I've been so much a more effective and have made him so much more money, but B I'm exponentially happier Yeah, because you know, I'm not doing those stupid two hour meetings that again, could have been a five minute email. And to me, there's nothing worse than closing the door for two fucking hours. Like I'm a, I want to be up and around. Like I'm not, I don't want to be sitting for two hours. I'm a, you know, a a kind of a jittery, I want to go do things type of human being. So, Oh, I can sit easily for two hours, but I take your point. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's funny with a beer. It's funny. It's funny. You (laughs) said that about COVID because I was talking to a guy just the other day and I can't remember what we were talking about, but you know, COVID terrible people died. It was miserable pandemics are going to be written up in history books, but there were a few good things that came out of COVID a few changes yeah, that came true. out of COVID that actually were pretty good. And and there's one that you just cited. Like, yeah, I think the best thing about retirement <laughs> would be Monday morning. Cause Sunday night is kind of, you know, you're like, ah, fuck another work. I I did say to Patty uh, like two weeks back, it was a Sunday night. And I said, man, I would like to be off tomorrow. So I think I'm getting closer to the realization that it would be nice to put the working life behind me. But no, again, I'll say if you have a job and you don't get up and say, fuck work today, you've, you've hit a, a hit a triple anyway. It's pretty nice. I, I would agree. Yeah. And it was funny too, because even after COVID, I spent six months when we weren't having the meetings and I had those phantom, like phantom stress, like just like, oh, tomorrow's Monday. And I'm then it took me a while to be like, why are you upset? Like you're going to, you know, you don't even have to go anymore. And then finally, now I'm going to love Mondays. Like Sundays are great. So, but it took like kind of eliminating these stupid meetings. 
Well, Tristan, it may not be good, this podcast, but somehow you and I can kill a fucking hour. We're we're at it again, so I don't know if we got to anything you had on your sheet or That's if, you've a got, talent. Yeah. if you've got comedy, but I think we're getting close to reaching the end of the line. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm bad for comedy the last few weeks because I really wanted to put something together on the heels of I thought this was going to be kind of more of a marriage show, and I was thinking along the lines of like, top 10 reasons like Ray would punch out his wife or, or top 10 reasons why, well, but say this. at 63 years of age, I have never raised a, a hand to any woman or ever touched my wife. She did draw blood on me twice. Now I will twice. say the whole time you said you that you know? were winking at me, oh, yeah. you were winking very big. You want yeah, to hear yeah, the two let, times? Yeah, I'd love uh, to hear the two one times. was uh, inadvertent. We were rafting canoeing or something. And she hit me with the, the paddle inadvertently and uh, drew blood. The other was she was pissed and we were moving out of Jersey and, um, you know, uh, you've ever been in those apartment complexes where down below is like storage, but it's like two by fours and chicken wire do uh, doors. Yeah. They're light as could be. <laughs> I was pissed and she fucking winged that door just as I turned and caught me right in the forehead. Oh, no. Opened me up. Yeah, she, she doesn't like to be reminded of that. <laughs> so she's drawing blood twice on me. I never drew blood on her. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah, my wife smacked me one time. Oh, yeah? Yes. Yeah, oh, wow. She, she reared back and got me pretty good. But yeah, I'm like you. I've never raised my hand to a woman. Never, you know, no. I've been, happily will live my whole life and never kind of be that guy. Right. But, uh, right. and you don't have to, right? Like, I think you probably grew up in a time where it was maybe even a little bit more expected no, or my common. Dad never or raised a hand to my that's mom. good. No, well, I, and this is an awful story to tell, but I'll uh, the guy that helped raise me, uh, mom's longtime boyfriend, said at one time was like, "Well, you'll learn when you get older. Sometimes you have to." Wow. And I thought, man, I don't think so. Yeah, no, and that's, that's uh, gone away. That's uh, changed, and yeah. that was more of the madman thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's and that's a good change. I yes. mean, you're going to argue for you know corporal punishment in the home? No, I don't yeah. think so. Which it's given us the WNBA. <laughs> There's that. But no. I, it's I, almost I, watchable. It's, it's pretty good. Love WNBA. Oh, God, Tristan. I, I, I'm not going to tell this joke. <laughs> Ray, Raymond told me. I'll tell you off air. Oh, you're really teasing the fan. Oh, no. It's just so fucked <laughs> Todd's up. really going to want to know the joke. <laughs> you want to tell, let Todd hear the joke for crying out loud. We'll, we'll beg Troy to edit it if need be. I'm going to have to ask Ray because I don't want to fuck it up. Okay. Well, next week. Was, tell the joke next week. It was terrible. <laughs> All right. So, and you've got the joke book. So that's, uh, it's a good joke. Oh, story. you know, I'm reading through it and trying to find one. So, so, so let's not do that. Let me just, let me just open the page from dad's jokes, dad's flooring, the good, the bad, the terrible. What did the baby corn say to the mama corn? I don't know. Where's popcorn? <laughs> yeah, pretty good. I like a good popcorn. You want to do one more? Yeah. There you read. Ooh. Just open it up and read whatever one. Man. The good, the bad, the terrible. Right. Dad jokes brought to you by Dad's Floor. All right. Let's see. Why are fish so smart? They go to school. They're in schools. There you go. Nailed it. You've read this book, haven't you? I've this is your it. book. Brought it hard, I'm going to have to go to the end. Yeah, you memorized the I'll whole thing. I like it. <laughs> What did one math book say to the other math book? And I'll preface this by saying this is something my wife said to me many times. Oh, this is funny. Uh, let's let's hear it. Man, you've got a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah. As we speak of marriage. Right, as we speak of marriage. So what do you got to close out? Nothing. I literally put nothing together. You know, and I, my print, we got new internet and I had not hooked up my printer. And so I've went a while and. I usually print out these sheets for the show and you'll look over and you'll see just handwritten scribble because I haven't like, I've got to get diligent again and, and write some stuff. And I just haven't. So can I make a point, please? I think we've just did nearly an hour without mentioning the Republican nominee soon to be for president, <laughs> not named, hey, not named Nikki. How Hale. about that? I think we, I don't want to say his name because then we would ruin. Yeah, that may I be. Think we've gone an entire show without mentioning. We don't do that. That much. gentleman and tough not to. So at least, at least, yeah, there was actually show. something I wanted to say about him, but save it for next save week. It for next week, yeah. How about that? Well, and uh, yeah, let's thank our friend Aaron, who is again reopened Berea Pond 
in this in oh, a similar cool. location. So hopefully Going I'll start begging him for stuff like that. Exactly. Cool. So he doesn't have like where he would have furniture and pallets sure. and all this stuff. He scaled it down. It's like a little, you know, kind of the the high money stuff, guns, ammo, well, jewelry. I would assume that gun licenses are probably like liquor licenses. They don't fall off trees. So if you exactly got it, keep it. Yeah. that was sort of his mindset, and he didn't want to, you know, if he lost it, he would have lost it, and right. he thought, you know, kind of hang on to it. And our buddy Dad, right here at the Dad's Flooring Studios, who now has the old uh, Bree upon building has the bulk of it for his flooring business very cool and aaron has a little cubby hole that's great kind of right with a storefront right in the front and he, so he's staying open and we'll uh they did and i we will guilt him to continuing to be a sponsor with lots Get of mentions in the air. well i told him i said he's gonna have to come back on and he always plays this muzzle. he plays this game like i'm not as smart as you guys and uh, it drives me crazy because he's obviously well, no a very bright guy so don't feel bad well, that's why i tell that. him yeah. maybe i'll take ray out of the yeah, equation right but he's definitely as smart as I am. Like, it's a low bar, but he's definitely that. So, this so, is why I like Bill Maher. I'm an arrogant prick. <laughs> yeah, you get along great with him. <laughs> um, but yeah, so thanks to Dad's uh, for, of course, being our studio sponsor and everything that he does for us. Uh, Tony, we do epoxy. You're the man. And again, Tony, thank you so much for that check. And I will not give Ray any of that. No, per your request, okay. maybe not. Apparently, I set that precedent, Tony, but I have no it's recollection. An absolute true story. And uh, Troy, Front Porch Studios. Thanks, Troy. Troy, thank you for everything. And I don't know. We may owe you Nate some money. Stove leg. Let uh, us know. May, and and Ray will pay that, and I will yeah. continue to keep no, the if money. No, if we do, Troy, send yeah, me a bill. Yeah, let us know for send, sure. What's your address? <laughs> I, I wish I knew it. Send me a bill. 20 Garden Place. <laughs> there you go. And Nate Stoveleg, we, we still appreciate you, my friend. And uh, yeah, another, another week down. Another one down, How man. Don't that? know if it was good, but we got it in there. And next week, we're going to talk about that guy we didn't talk about. Yes, he's definitely coming up. All right, Ray. Have a good week.